Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. Welcome to another episode of the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, and my guest today is author and healer, Darren Starwin. Darren has been aware of the quantum field of consciousness since early childhood. Spurred by very difficult early experiences, he has devoted his life to uncovering the deeper truths of energy, healing, and regeneration. He started his study of Chinese and holistic medicine in his early 30s and went on to develop the Accutron Microlight Device and Starwin Light System, then creating many books, videos, seminars that he led for over 25 years. Now, his main focus is as a quantum catalyst to help healers, physicians, and light workers activate higher levels of consciousness and expression of their true superpowers. In this episode today, we will be talking about such things as dissolving the old idea of self, the value of working with the Merkaba, the current energies taking place in this ascension right now on planet Earth, how we can work with these new perfection energies, the power of forgiveness and multi-dimensional forgiveness and just what that is, and really how we can all claim our own inner mastery. Potent stuff that I really hope you enjoy. And as always, that it serves you well. Well, Darren Starwin, Dr. Darren Starwin, it's great to have you on the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. I can't wait to go down the rabbit hole with you. Yeah, we met um, briefly a few weeks ago, and I've been really looking forward to continuing the discussion ever since then. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Well, as we were just talking about some pretty heavy duty stuff, we'll, we'll, we'll start off easy for this audience. And um, <laughs> that would be merciful. <laughs> we'll be merciful. Um, starting at the sort of beginning of the beginnings in your teenage years, you talk a bit about being in India and working with a spiritual teacher, spiritual master, really um, studying with the spiritual master. I'm curious, who was that master? Right. Yes. When I was 19 years old, I went on a trip with was about 500 total English and British young people. And the name of that teacher at that time, he was called Guru Maharaji. And that was an honorary title. That wasn't his personal name. And he was 13 years old at that time. And he already had a following of close to a million people in India and then a smaller following in England and just getting launched in America. What was that like being with a 13-year-old, you know, awakened being, if I dare say that? Um, did you, when you, what called you to him out of every teacher that you could have gone to or master, guru for that matter? Well, my experience was that he actually came to me because I was going to college in Boulder, Colorado at that time. Mm-hmm. That was in the early 70s. And I got saw this poster at my college that said this Guru Maharaji was coming to the University of Colorado to give a talk. And I happened to have some friends who had already, um, I guess, heard about him. 
Dr. Nakshi, what it really was is I was sitting in a park one day reading a spiritual book. I was laid off from a construction job I had and I was sitting there and somebody came up and told me about this guru coming and gave me some brochure and invited me to some meetings. So I was I spent a few weeks going to meetings with these people and I could tell they were all sort of people that were just kind of getting off the druggy hippie thing and kind of starting to move into spirituality and they were talking about how this teenage boy from India opened the third eye and gave all this uh, Shakti and so that got me interested. It's just he actually came to me and then right to my town and I think yes. that's how I was involved in that. Did he give you darshan in your town when you went to see him? He did. That was a big thing he used to do in those days was giving darshans. Um, and so his presence really felt that way. I mean, even though he's 13 years old, and when I heard him speak for the first time, his voice kind of cracked a little bit because his voice was changing at that age. But there was such a presence that I could feel. I was like, wow. I mean, this here's this little boy in the stage, but I'm feeling this really big presence. And that, that really impressed me a lot at that time. Mm. That's very cool. Do you have a non-physical teacher or master that you work with that you want to share? Well, actually, what I notice is that there's three primary non-physical teachers who I depend on with my healing work. Mm -hmm. And those would be Master Jesus, Universal Divine Mother, and Archangel Metatron. Mm -hmm. And I experience that they pour this healing energy through me. And I don't know where they start and I begin because I know my own higher self. I think it all sort of blends together, but I do sense their presence quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah, I can relate to that. So kind of turning the page a bit, what, what do you think or feel are the emerging energies today taking place right now on the planet? And why is that important? Well, that's a really big question, Diane. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I, we were talking earlier, and I was personally feeling that over the last few days, and since this year started, that there's been a heavier kind of energy. And it's taken more meditation and more inner practice for me to keep myself in a really positive place. It hasn't been quite as flowing or easy. And a lot of people I know have been saying the same thing to me. Right. And I know my, um, my lady friend who's an astrologer told me this quite a bit last year that she said 2022 is going to be a really heavy time. There's going to be major challenges on for the United States and for the world and for individuals. But it always feels like there's a dual, there's always this dual situation. In other words, the heavier things get or the darker things get, or the more outrageous things are happening politically and socially and in terms of injustices in the world, the light is getting brighter. So mm -hmm. I, I really feel both sides of it. And what it makes me feel is that one of the most important things for people now to embrace is making a deep choice. Like we may assume, of course, I'm a light worker, I'm a spiritual person, I'm in the light, but then there's shadow parts of ourselves. And so to go, to really go inside and really look at those and be willing to feel those things that come up and keep choosing the light feels very important to me for yeah. my own sanity in terms of being able to do the healing work I do. Yeah. Do you, is there a stage right now, if you could call it a stage or a period, we might call it in yoga, maybe in, if we pull back the lens like yugas, but is, is there a stage of this ascension that's taking place? And if there is a stage, could you sort of intuit where we are in that stage of ascension on the timeline? 
Yes, well, the Mayans who created the Mayan calendar and had this whole advanced cosmology about these different cosmic waves that would hit the earth at different times and then energy would ascend, which is happening since prehistoric times. They said 2011, we entered the ninth wave and that things started going much faster into the sense of oneness and also the purification of the ego and ever all the crap coming up to the surface. What it feels like to me is that we're in a stage right now where the light is getting rapidly much brighter, but yet this, the crap coming to the surface, like the extremely polarized, unresolved things. Like I think our United States is sort of reliving the civil war. It's like going back into that type of thing. There, there's going on in so many places that um, it's one of the more difficult times. Like we're actually, we're going through a difficult time of the ascension because the purification energies can be much more uh, uh, present to us than the ease of being in the light and the bliss and the beauty of this higher consciousness, yet it never goes away. So I, I, what I think is that probably within two to three years, the light energy is going to get so much brighter that it won't take as much effort to feel it or to mm -hmm. stay attuned to it. But for now, in the next couple of years, it's a time to really be, keep your feet on the ground and stay very grounded. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really good to hear that um, reinforced. I, I, I agree with that. And I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I, I root myself in that hope that the light is getting brighter and brighter and there's no stopping it. Um, that's true. There's no, there's no stopping it. And there's an analogy I'd love to share that I think is very historically useful that at the end of World War II, Hitler had already, was already sure that Hitler was losing the war. <clears throat> now there is the, the Germans were pulling back their forces from all these conquered countries and the allies were marching in toward Berlin. And it was, it was very, very obvious that the war was almost over. But then Hitler, just a spiteful guy he was, he said, I'm going to take all my best soldiers and send them for one last giant battle. And he sent them to Belgium. And this battle happened called the Battle of the Bulge. And it was bloody. It was horrible. It was a total waste because the Germans surrendered within three or four months after that. Mm -hmm. So it was like this last gasp, huge effort to throw as much resistance as he could. And that's where I feel we are. Like there's a battle of the bulge going on of the desperation of the people holding on to the old way it used to be. Yeah, I can feel that. That's definitely, definitely palpable. And it's a real sensorial thing you can feel happening. It, if this is a time of ascension, I'm kind of thinking out loud as you're talking. And if this is a time of ascension, then I think, well, it's also then a time of great release. We have to, in order to ascend, we have to let go, like you said, of the old programs, the old ways of being, the old yeah. ways of achieving cause versus effect and, and move into the oneness like our, our ancestors, the Lemurians, so that are already in that state of wholeness and oneness and anyone else we wanna attribute wholeness and oneness to. And my, my question is, do you see a theme, a core theme that humans are collectively and individually, but collectively releasing is itself is it is it is it a is an absence of of chronic unworthiness? Is it self love? Is it what is it to you? Well, that's a really amazing question. I actually feel what the human race is 
letting go of is slavery mm. is the slave self that we one for one of john lennon's songs he had right after the beatles broke up there was this line he said you think you're so clever and classless and free but you're all a bunch of fucking peasants as far as i can see or something like i remember that in other words we we believe we're free beings we're choosing our own destiny but there's so many hooks into our subconscious mind to control us to make us see things and to basically feel fear to be afraid of things and to be motivated by fear and that's right one um teacher i followed called oracle girl came up with the name the slave self and i think that's very accurate so i feel like that the humanity is is purging the slave self and claiming the sovereignty of the spiritual beings that we are and that's really what's going on right now we're claiming our sovereignty but you have to claim it it doesn't just happen automatically maybe at some point in the future it will but at this point it takes choosing it like i am free i claim my freedom I am an avatar, I am a being of light. And like really claim that, own that is very important. It's mm -hmm. Like now there's being kind of on an autopilot of what our spirituality has been up to this point. This isn't gonna cut it. It's, mm -hmm. it, it takes a new level of claiming that the truth. And so I think, and also another thing is the human race is not just all one thing. I mean, we're all, we all have a head and two arms or some people may have an arm missing, but we basically our symmetry is look similar but yet we come from all different parts of the universe so there's a lot of different kinds of beings in human bodies right now mm, i love that yeah yeah i want to echo that back because in my private practice working in biofield healing i'm seeing as of late particularly literally the past probably maybe two three months but it's it's just so much stronger it gets stronger and stronger in this past month it's like everyone I'm seeing, I'd say, okay, 95%. Yeah. Uh -huh. I'm working a particular distortion in the field that literally we call or we refer to as the slavery yoke. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you're, you're in this sort of repetitive construct of just being bound to these old constructs. And, and it, it's, it's a deep old ingrained program state of inertia and um, constriction, contraction, and, and playing small, which we'll get into uh, a little later too, because I want you to talk about playing small. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting because I, God, everyone I'm working on just about, we're clearing these slavery yoke uh, yes. waveforms that are just so old some going back six thousand years for some people wow that's interesting that you're seeing this that's such a similar thing yeah i mean i just feel like i'm kind of a i'm i'm not a scientist i consider myself more of a citizen scientist or a spiritual scientist and i'm just collecting data by default by just being in so many hundreds and hundreds of people's fields you know yeah. at times so i'm gathering just right. by default information and it's like wait a minute this is wild um that makes me think of this great quote you have in your book and you say until we claim mastery we feel like we're just flitting around from one facet of our experience to another driven by unconscious urges and external influences you'll know when you've achieved mastery when you get to choose which facet of your experience 
you are focusing on. So whenever you think you're experiencing a dark night of the soul or feel mirrored in depression, you can open up to also staying connected with your other facets that are full of light and divine presence. You can choose to apply those higher vibrational parts of yourself to your hurting or lost parts. And this form of spiritual alchemy has been the way of masters throughout human history and a way to claim the master healer inside of you. Potent stuff. Yes, it is. <laughs> right. And you know what's interesting is that that quote you read was partially inspired by an ancient book called the Kybalion. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's a it's based on these seven hermetic laws that were created in ancient Egypt by a being that was called Hermes Trismegistus. And he basically, I'm sure, is some kind of ET, enlightened and ascended master that showed up in Egypt at that time. And he taught these seven laws that all science, all metaphysics, you know, all magic, you know, all um, quantum physics, it's all based on those seven laws. I mean, you can find, if you look at any one of those types of, and music, art, I mean, everything is all based on these seven laws, I know, frequencies, vibrations. And so that idea that if you are mired in depression or you're feeling a low vibration, you use universal law of as above, so below to find a part of your your, I'm calling another facet of your experience that is actually already at a high vibration. And then you let that pull the lower one up and then train it. And it's a principle of music. It's a principle of physics. It's a principle of magnetism. And it, it works. I mean, it, it can, it's a very valuable uh, thing there. So I'm glad you read that. Yeah. Well, you, you talk about a bunch of different ascension principles in your book. And I mean, anybody can do them, which I love. Um, and you know, my question, I just want to kind of ask your, your own personal opinion on what, what is the importance to you um, of the Merkaba? And why, why should someone who's interested in healing or really awakening themselves care? Right. Well, Merkaba is a spinning geometric light body that when a human being is out of their slave self and they're basically truly being themselves, their avatar self, it's generated. It's a, it's a field of spinning light that surrounds us when we raise the frequency of our mind and our emotions and body and are in, in really a state of pure love. And there's practices, I have some of them in my book as well, to develop your awareness of the Merkaba. And so it's been known since ancient times. And the literal meaning of Merkaba means um, spirit, light, body. In ancient Egyptian, in ancient Hebrew, actually several different languages have those same syllables to mean spirit, light, body. And the importance of it, well, I feel like it can save our human race. I mean, in other words, human, I think it's, it's, an, it's a step of evolution for us to be more aware of our light body. Um, as a consciousness, let's say in this moment, I like to make things experiential. So let's say right now in this moment, for anyone who's listening to this podcast and for us, then, if you just simply say, it's my intention to shift my field of awareness to my light body. Even if you have no idea, if you never thought of this before, it's a totally new idea. <laughs> just we're at a time in ascension where things can happen instantaneously. Where like the old idea that if you want to learn to play the piano, it's going to take months and years of 
practicing scales and taking lessons. That's true, right? In our 3D reality. But then in the movie, The Matrix, there is this one part where Neo is uh, trained in martial arts by having a helmet put on his head and it suddenly goes, and he suddenly is, knows how to do martial arts. No training. He just suddenly is imprinted with martial arts. So what I'm doing is offering an experiential thing for anyone who's sensitive to energy for the Merkaba. So if, you, if you're open to this, if it's always up to you. It's always your choice if you want to participate in anything like this. But if there's something you're interested in, you can simply just say that. It's my intention to open my field to experience my light body now. And then just be quiet for a moment and notice what you feel. Or some people may more see, some people may feel. Hmm. I'm kind of doing it as you're saying it. It's yeah. like I don't even want to talk. No, it's like I mean, just that little adjustment. I feel a shift, like like more in my body and just more pleasurable, like feeling being alive and you know more of the field around me. I'm just more aware of it. And that's, I think that's one of the saving graces we have, whatever you're, you're going through in your life, is that you can instantaneously shift into this field of light, into, into being connected with your avatar self, regardless of how bad things seem to be on different levels or how much you think you're messing up or failing or whatever the thing is, that's always available. Amen to that. Yeah. Um, well, what do you feel exactly it is that blocks energy? Mainly it's fear. Mainly it's, it's, it's one, there's, there's so many different varieties of how humans are controlled by fear. You mentioned earlier about this, um, you know, the, what did you call it? The slave something or other? Oh, the slavery yoke. The slavery yoke. So that is an ancient thing for the human race that there has been, most people have been in a subservient position to other people that have used or manipulated them. And that's such a deep imprint of that on a cellular level. So there's, that's one of them. There's also what's called implants mm -hmm. and implants are self-generating thought forms that are somebody takes on into their subconscious mind that just keeps spinning out the same limited, um, Thing, right? It's like Groundhog's Day movie. It was really about the power of implants. You know? yeah. you just keep reliving the same thing that limits you or holds you back. And then there's also there's many other types of things like that. There's many kinds of ways that are that are holding people's energy back. And it's it's tragic, really, but it's just considered normal. We consider it normal because it's the way almost everybody is. Do you think that's why you find you talk a bit about this in your book that you feel that most light workers are playing small? I would say that, yes. And there's some specific reasons for that too. Yeah, why do you think that is? I believe that people who are identifying themselves as light workers or some variation on the term at this time are people that are very powerful souls. Hmm. Just goes with the territory, or else they wouldn't be adjusted to that. And being a powerful soul, they've had many different incarnations, different, different human bodies or different other forms. And that in expressing their power and their presence and their light, we have gone through a lot of shit, basically. Um, you know, basically, we've had lifetimes where we were very high level teachers and we're 
radiating huge amount of light, helping lots of people. And in some of those lifetimes, we made mistakes and got into ego or got into um, misusing the power. There are other times where we were persecuted, you know, really severely for for having having a light because it angered the people in power who were not who weren't didn't want to be challenged in that way. So there's been all these things going on, and and so that imprint of repeated trauma, repeated persecution, repeated even and even bigger than persecution, I feel for light workers, even bigger than that is guilt. Yeah, like a feeling of guilt, like. I had power and I screwed up. I misused it. And I don't want to let myself be powerful again. So I'll do that again. And I, I have felt this, and I can't tell you like countless numbers of different people who are, I would call light workers, have expressed variations on that to me. Yeah. And they don't remember that that's why. All they know is they say, I feel depressed or I can't seem to get it together financially or um, I, I develop cancer. Or like they, they, all they see is that. They don't really remember why, where that came from. And that's what I do as a healer is I help people do like the spiritual detective work, find out what is that head cause. And then the quantum field is amazingly rapid way to clear those things once you identify them. Yeah, I echo that back to you as well uh, with my healing work. It's an interesting, another interesting pattern I see that's pretty, pretty common um, is seeing that people that are working in the realm of healing of quantum healing as ministers as light workers who are doing whatever it is they're doing reiki uh, healing spiritual healing spiritual counseling i find that many of them are very open in the higher tiers higher chakras oh, from yeah. the the heart up from the heart up <laughs> <laughs> right from the heart up yeah from the heart up yeah. And, you know, the Anahata, no problem. Moving into the throat, the third eye, you know, and the, and the, and the uh, Shahastra, the crown, no problem. But the common thread, at least in my own personal direct experience, um, is the first three chakras, which many will consider the chakras of the material realm or the physical world reality. And it's like almost a feeling of um, a, a disintegration or a disownership of the nature of this world, almost even a judgment of this world. And many of them have one foot in and one foot out. And, uh, and then that common thread that at some point in their timeline of many lifetimes, they misuse their power. And that etching, if you will, in the Akash is there like a brass rubbing. And it creates this wave that just almost i would say distorts or pulls on their ability to flow with the this physical world until we eventually correct it which can sometimes take a, a few times wow. what, do you, yeah. what do you do you do you find what like what i find that to be fascinating that it it, it it draws me to the next question really where you mentioned in your book do you do you feel that it's okay or virtuous for light workers to be wealthy and right. and i love that you bring up this topic because i think i shared with you and i shared this in an earlier podcast or two because it's just such a crazy story of me manifesting for a brief moment in time for 15 minutes and then it went away into the ethers five billion dollars in my coinbase account right. 
I have a very modest sum in there, beginner's amount. (laughs) And I was meditating on God's infinite supply for 15 minutes. And at the end of the day, I went back and I checked my Coinbase just for fun. And it skyrocketed, spiked like mad up to 5 billion and some dollars. And then it went back down after 15 minutes. Uh Nobody can explain it, but I, I, like to explain it as best I can as well. I somehow influence the field. But what is more, uh, what really stirred me more with that personal experience was the idea that, wow, well, what if I had that as a light worker? What if all the light workers had all the wealth? What would this world look like? It just begs the question <laughs> if wealth was in the right and aligned hands and not to yeah. say that everyone that's wealthy is misaligned, but I think you get my point. Yeah. I've thought about that a lot that who has the wealth and power in this world. Generally there are people who there's many exceptions. There's many really wonderful people who are wealthy, who are living really, really mostly virtuous lives and helping right. a lot of others and, you know, using it in, in really benevolent ways. But the majority of people who have the really huge wealth, there's, a, there's quite a bit of closed heartedness and really hurting the planet and uh, using it to hurt others and kind of a two-faced kind of thing. Um, like a lot of people who are, have a huge amount of wealth, big corporations do quite a few humanitarian things. So they look like they're virtuous, but then yeah. they're doing more harm than the good they do with that from the way they use their money and think, make their investments and things like that. So there's a lot of that going on, but I really f- think about that, that I brought up the subject of what you just said about light workers opening up to having a lot of money and to being wealthy, to being powerful. And it touches a, a button in people that is often really uncomfortable. And so, so I'll tell you an interesting theory that I have. This is something that I feel I'm really exciting. And that is that there is right now there's a lot of really i'd say mischievous acting out going on like personally i think this huge push toward voter suppression laws and extreme gerrymandering and trying to you know grab onto power and ban books and like this stuff going on i mean it's it's like a move toward you know to me to like toward fascism and you know having a religious control over things and there's you know all over the world there's this kind of thing and people of all political parties are doing a lot of mischievous stuff, you know, but whatever it is, why is it so extreme now? And my theory is that it's kind of like if you have a kindergarten class, and there's a bunch of little kids and the teacher leaves for a long period of time, all kinds of stuff happens. People, bullies will pick on other kids or they'll knock things over or people get hurt. People will be crying You know, all this stuff will happen because there's no adult in the room to kind of manage the children. And so I feel like the adults have left the room in our country. And so these people who have a lot of deep fear and agendas and they're, they're acting out in ways because they can, you know, there's, and that, and that light workers are supposed to be the adults in the room because the Tao Te Ching, which is this famous book that Taoism is based on, has this amazing thing where it says when, when the master is leading a country, everything flourishes and people say it all just happened naturally. They don't even know that there's a master there. They don't even know that there's a government. All they know is that things are going well and that that's the highest form of government. 
And we have the opposite of that now. You know, we have all these self-serving, corrupted people who are sold out to corporations and all these extreme agendas, you know, running the most of the countries. And so light workers are meant to be the ones who are holding that higher light so that there's kind of like the adults in the room and then things can start balancing and flourishing and respecting the earth and coming into some sense of order with universal law again in our country. The, the balancing of the male and female energy instead of the male over controlling the female energy. Yeah, yeah, well said. You mentioned in your book, the 14 groups that light workers tend to serve in. Yeah. And, um, and each group specializes in a form, a particular form of service. And I, I'm thinking of just you and me uh, being probably the, the first of the four. Yeah, the first list. The right, quantum first healer group. group. Do you want to, and as you're talking about these, these sort of roles or um, masks that people wear, or roles really that people are playing out in the world, it makes me think of these 14 groups that light workers can potentially be working in, in service to the balance of the planet and of the universe, really. Do you wanna go into any of those and the significance of those? Yeah, that's actually a really fun part of this is that as you awaken as an avatar, which avatar, we haven't defined that term here, but let me just define that for you on avatar yeah. is divine source descending, because the word avatara from Sanskrit means descent, into a human body that has a great deal of superpowers and yet is still very, very human to do some kind of thing that changes the world. That's what an avatar is. And changing the world could be on a huge scale. It could be on a small scale. You know, there's no judgment of one being better or worse. And so as you awaken to being an avatar, you realize that this is who you actually are, yet there's you know, so many variations, you start realizing that you have a certain job description as an avatar. And, and it may be what you're already doing. It may be very different than what you're already doing. I mean, like I think, Diane, for you and I, I think we're doing our job description as quantum healers. We've discovered it, we're doing it, we're completely into it. And I think most people are doing their description to a certain extent because they're good at it. You know, like children tend to be grow up having talents in certain ways. Like some kids are just naturally athletic. Some people have a real ear for music. Some can just draw and very well like make art at a young age. Some people are just really good at sympathizing and empathizing with others and getting friend, you know, reconciling between people having arguments. Like these, these are natural abilities people have. And that that could just be that, just a natural ability, but it gets raised to a superpower when you go through this process of I call Christing, when you your body and your mind is transformed by higher light, your DNA changes, you're, it's an epigenetic process of changing your body, then these natural abilities become more like superpowers and you start gravitating to other light workers or avatars, whichever term you wanna use, who have similar missions as you. Yeah. And then that becomes, because there's groups of different groups, like in that chapter you're talking about, there's the healer group, there's a, um, a group of sort of protector defender people, many of whom are actually in the armed forces. There's light workers on the armed forces. There's even some armed forces, you know, at the various echelons. There's some that are teachers. There are some that are artists. There's some. There's a group that is uh, people that are healing the earth and taking care of that. And there's, you know, there's a group of light workers that focus on children's welfare. There's a group of light workers that are. Um, 
like kind of iconoclast or helping to break down bad systems in the world. So it's, it's really an exciting part of your awakening. As you awaken, it's not just, you don't just sit there in la-la land feeling blissed out. It's like you roll your sleeves up and say, here's what I'm here to do. And when you meet other people that are in a sim your similar light worker job description, it's a really joyous thing. It's a really joyous thing. And um, they make the best friends and partners or collaborators. Yeah. That's the joy of me doing this podcast. I, it is the greatest yeah. for me, selfishly, that I have all these new friends that are on the planet. And I forgot. I mean, it's like it makes me fall to my knees in grace, Darren, truly, because I go, God, this world is so filled like chock full of so many light workers. And many of these people that I've had on my show, I never knew until I started searching and seeking. Some I knew, but like I didn't know about you. Our, our beloved friend Bill uh, connected us yeah. and, and, and I'm yet another light worker. So it's just this wonderful web of cohesiveness and light and, and just, um, it's a very, it's a very beautiful thing when you start connecting with other light workers because it, it lifts you. It really does. It makes my, it makes me um, a better person. And it keeps me also in my, my, when the, when the going gets tough and when we have a bad day and we go, God, what are we doing on this crazy uh, planet? I'm reminded just like you talked about of the responsibility that we have as light workers to be these columns of light to to really root ourselves in the the nature of our own divinity for the sake of others for the sake of the ascension for the sake of what's really going to take place and is taking place beautifully said yes and that's why coming together with other people whether it's physically or over zoom or even on an intuitive level is such a valuable thing right now. And you can see with this COVID pandemic, it's tended to separate people and make people not get together with others as much. And um, so it's just important to not be drawn into that. I mean, do whatever you think you have to do to take care of your health and the health of your family, whatever you believe about that. But the main thing is don't let it be something that keeps you isolated because there's power in us being together, joining forces. And I like to use the term that light workers coming together is the second coming of the Christ. Like the Christ was, is a force field in the universe of pure love and pure light and just pure divinity. And the man Jesus was somebody who embodied a great deal of that Christ consciousness long before most people did. He was a prototyper. He was somebody who was able to do this way ahead of his time. And his mother, Mary, was also an extremely high level um, master, which is, she not often get credit for that. Yeah. Who also did tremendous amount of inner work and inner alchemy in order to be able to birth a child like that. And so people talk about the second coming of Christ as if some other individual is going to show up who will be this big leader. And I, I, that's not true. I feel at this time of the ninth wave, it's all of, it's, it's huge numbers of people are the second coming of the Christ. It's millions of us. That's right. Claiming our light and connecting in whatever way we can. So absolutely, you know, isolation right. is is the is the opposite of how I feel we're going to change this world. I almost feel like we have the ability 
to return back to the technology of these Essenes, these uh, the Essenes on Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, or Mount Carmel, um, mm-hmm. and that Jesus was an, a master Essene, like just like his mm-hmm. mother, and and they knew how to prepare their vessels to be the incubators and the commutators of of divine light. And it makes me think of a kind of maybe an odd question, but what's the difference to you, if any, between magnetic healing and spiritual healing? I don't really know the term magnetic healing that well, so I can't really uh, speak to that. You know, it's not something I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. it's more of like a mystery school thing. And and um, and John Roger would talk, one of my teachers would talk a lot yeah. about the magnetic light. But I'll, just to not leave this sort of thread hanging out there, he would basically say that the spiritual light comes in on the magnetic light, but the magnetic light doesn't necessarily carry the Holy Spirit, <laughs> which is a bit of a brain teaser because, yeah. so, well, wait a minute. And then he says, well, don't even worry about it because your brain can't really wrap itself around it anyway. Yeah. It's just <laughs> thinking our way to God, like we'll never get there, but we can have a sense of what it is to experience divine presence if we have a spiritual experience or get a, you know, get an initiation or a transmission or any of these things that we we are kind of touching upon. Um, I will say one thing about forms of healing is that quantum healing, and there could be other names used for it, what differentiates it from most forms of healing that are done, including many kinds of energy healing. I used to be an acupuncturist or an acupuncture and there's so many wonderful forms of healing is that almost every other healing is based on trying to correct a problem or issue or an imbalance, trying to bring the body back into balance or trying to bring the emotions back into balance or correct some inflammation or however you look at it, or trying to heal somebody from depression. Well, quantum healing isn't like that at all. It's based on seeing the person as already whole and holy, seeing the person as not having any issue, seeing them as they really are, because it's, if the, if the healer has such a strong conviction and knowing and seeing that that person is really a light being and that there is some kind of programming or conditioning making them believe there's some problem, it tends to entrain the other person into being able, oh, wait, I can feel that free part of me. Yeah, It's kind of infectious when you see someone else is already whole. And I call that extending the quantum field. Yeah. You touch a, po- a bit upon the great salve that many of us, if not all healers, I would imagine to varying degrees use, which is unconditional self-forgiveness, forgiveness, and how that is really the, it's, it's the dissolver of many of those consciousness constrictions that create many of these blockages in the field and these implants that you speak of. You want to touch upon your, how you see forgiveness as oh. a powerful tool for healing? Well, thank you for asking about that. It's one of my favorite subjects. Is that at the root of pretty much all the things that most people are suffering with that come to me at least is some sense of self condemnation. And it leads to self-sabotage. It leads to, like you were talking about, stuff that blocks our energy from circulating freely. 
In other words, yes, people have had a lot of other people do bad things to them at different times, but yet what we do to ourselves is much worse. Yeah. And that, and so forgiveness is not really, it's so much about forgiving someone else, like telling someone else, okay, I let you off the hook from blaming you. And it's not even as much about apologizing. I mean, those are both really important things in the right time. It's really important to apologize sometimes when you, you know, to really let, put the ego down in its place. But the most powerful form of forgiveness is self-forgiveness, is, is forgiving yourself, letting yourself off the hook and really blessing yourself. It seems like such a simple thing, but it's rare. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole chapter in my book I call multidimensional forgiveness. And that's something I discovered through uh, sacred ceremonies that I was in, where I was in, you know, really going deep within myself. That I remember the one time I was looking at some pictures of my family members, and I saw that here they are, and I was just feeling the sense of forgiving them and going through the sense of forgiveness for anything there was that wasn't totally resolved. And then I started seeing, oh, behind them is their parents and their ancestors mm. and different relatives of these ancestors and past incarnations each of them have had and that this forgiveness is much more than just one to one because one of the things is that we're all in this part of the ascension is that we're living we're awakening to our holographic reality and that means holographic means that any point within a system contains the entire system and so that means like this okay like here's this um, little piece of plastic. That means within this piece of plastic is the entire universe. Yes. Like one Nassim Haramein, who's a very well-known theoretical physicist, um, has said that one proton in an atom contains the matter of the entire universe. It's like mind-blowing. How could you possibly say one proton? So in other words, when you forgive someone else with this place of holographic forgiveness, you're actually sending forgiveness out to all beings. That's the power we have with this. What a blessing. That is a blessing. And it's, it's, I think, again, reassuring of what's possible if we just kind of tap into it, if we choose to tap into it. Someone I did a podcast with a while ago, and she titled it, because I didn't even realize what I was talking about until later. And it was really, what are you choosing? And that's what I'm hearing here, too, is, is the opportunity to choose. It's like choose into your divine nature, choose into your divine authority to be a a sovereign, independent, meaning not that you're on your own island, but that you know who you are and whose you are, independent of someone else telling you what you need or how you need to be or um, that you can awaken, you can heal anything inside of you. I always think of Deepak Chopra and he says, we can create our own pharmacopoeia inside our bodies independently yeah. without someone else, something outside of us. And so it's like, but we have to choose to believe that we have to choose to at least try it out, check it out, work with it, be a spiritual scientist. And like you said, in the very earlier bit of this talk, just, Tune into your light body. Just try it out. See what you feel. Take your light body for a test drive. Take your light body for a test drive. Yes. What do you think, Darren, denotes a master healer? I love that you asked that question. A master healer is not a person. 
Master Healer is the Christ spirit of the universe that exists. A human being can basically tap into it. So, you know, usually the way we would think of it is a master healer is a certain person, like wizard-like person that has all this power and is so special and has is very venerable. And but that's not really accurate. You know, that's an ego-based way of looking at it. Like the master healer is this force that any if like you use the magic word a few minutes ago, you said believe. You said mm -hmm. believe. It's unbelievable what people believe. You know? yeah, right. right. <laughs> so, so basically, if if you would believe that you are a vessel for this master healer energy of the universe, then you are. Then miracles can happen through you with no experience required. And so that's what a master, it's not a master healer, it's master healer field, I would say. It's this field, the, the, the Christ matrix field of the universe. So when I say the word Christ it has nothing to do with Christianity. It doesn't even necessarily have to do with Jesus. It has to do with us. It has to do with this field of perfect love that we can tap into. Some people don't like the word Christ because they grew up in repressive Christian homes and right. they might like a different word like, you know, avatar, the universe or pure love. Fine, whatever word there is. So yeah, it's not a personal, it's not a personal thing. It's an impersonal force that we can yeah. tap into. And that belief to me is it's, it's like the brother or sister to faith, or maybe it's one in the same. And I go, well, what's faith being able to believe in something, having the faith to see and believe that something is going to happen without it presenting itself yet without it being seen. Yeah. And so it's not being seen by the lower mind or by our senses, but it's being seen by the heart. Right. Yeah. And what is it that we need to clear? Where is the illusion? And then I think of things like the Hanuman Chalisa or all these very ancient Chalisas, texts, songs, chants. And we're really clearing the lens of our own hearts so that we can get back to the loving. And then we don't get into this human off-roading pattern that we've had for so long based on this control matrix or conditioning or whatever you want to call it of self-condemnation and smallness and dependency and all of it that is the opposite of the christedness and you know i just want to say before we run out of time whoever's listening to this really claim your freedom yeah. It's something that has to be claimed and help other people claim it. That's what this is about. In other words, if you think of Gulliver's Travel, anybody that remembers that old story from England by Jonathan Swift, there is this guy who is in this island with these tiny people that were like the size of their thumb. And when he woke up in some pasture, they had tied him down with hundreds of little ropes and he was tied down to the ground. And there was all these little men all around him with these swords and going, yeah, we conquered the big monster. But as soon as he just suddenly flexed his muscles, tried to sit up all those ropes went flying and all the little people went flying. And that's what I feel we need to do. Be like that. Like just stop believing in all these things that are negative or bring us down or fear-based or how bad the world is or all these things and our own unworthiness and just kind of stand up and let all that stuff just fly away. Right. It has to be claimed. That's right. 
It's like if we keep focusing on the negative, we're putting energy and more energy to the negative. Yeah. It's like if you have a disease and you say, well, I'm going to meditate on not having that disease anymore. You're still meditating on the presence of that thing that you don't want. Yeah, I believe we should join the just say no to negativity movement. <laughs> yeah, let's get that started. <laughs> Darren, is there anything that you'd like to leave this very curious and spiritually motivated and committed audience? Yes, I certainly would. Um, I want to let you know that if you're interested in these things I'm talking about, there's some things that you could do to go further with this. And so one of them is that um, Diane's been talking about my latest book, Awakening the Avatar Within, and it's been selling really well on Amazon. It was just released about four months ago. And it really had everything we've talked about. It has a tremendous amount of information, depth, and most importantly, actual practices that you do to realize these for yourself, to actually Christ your own body and raise the frequency of your own body and awaken your own avatar. And then also for anyone who gets the book, there's a free course online that you can get just for buying the book that has all these audios and videos I made to guide you through the practices. And I'd like to give you a website that I have a free webinar that'll be coming up on March 10th. That is called three quantum activations. And it's really the purpose of it is to actually bring a group together and share these activations of the avatar self and of the light body people actually experience it and so um you can get and there's also and i'll be doing a course starting in april for people that actually want to go deeper into being trained in quantum healing and awakening their master healer self and going through that whole physiological change so you can get all that information of those two the webinar and the course on a web page which if you want to write this down i'll tell you what it is it is www.lightworkerministry.com forward slash 2022. So I'll say that one more time. Lightworker Ministry, and I think it's pretty obvious how that's spelled, dot com forward slash 2022. And you can find out about that webinar and about that course I'm offering. So, but as far as aside from that, the other last thing I'd want to leave you with is that don't ask your mind to tell you who you really are. It, you must go to your heart. You must go to the deeper knowing in yourself and just realize that there has been a lot of programming to try to keep us from remembering that, to keep us thinking small and living a small, a smaller life and living more fear-based and all those things. And the door is open now during this time of ascension to like, just like Gulliver did. And Gulliver just kind of throw that stuff off much more maybe easy is not the word but much more quickly and readily than we think we can and we need each other you know supporting each other is so valuable so i again i'm excited about what's going i think this is one of the greatest times to live in yet it's also a very challenging time to live in and so it's just which one we focus on like diane said is the one that's going to expand for us and we chose to be here today now in this body in this lifetime for a reason it's an exciting time because right now light workers are needed like we're really needed now there's every little bit of light you bring through every encouragement you give to someone else every healing you do every kindness is so valuable now it's sometime in the future when the ascension is more manifest and the, we're living in a much more enlightened culture we won't be as needed in that way we'll, we'll be doing something else but right now you are needed you know every bit of light you can bring through 
we'll good be, to be needed. It's good to be needed. We'll be working on like the 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 multi-dimensional light vehicles so that we can travel in these light balls of light spheres interdimensionally. Something like that. Yeah. That's <laughs> what the Merkaba is. It's basically so you can there travel. You yeah. Make sure it's spinning. Uh, Darren Starwin, thank you so much. This has been such a gift, such a pleasure, and so much fun to just talk, talk, talk all things spirit with you. Well, thank you, Diane. You're such a kindred spirit. I'm so glad to know you. And I feel like we're so in a similar soul group or whatever, light worker group. And I love the depth of the things you're bringing up here. So thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.